If it's a really good deal for you and your investors or just you, take the deal. That's how home runs are made. A lot of the times you don't know until you do the deal. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow-up boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial. For a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where I only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of fluffy stuff with us today. Akam Ahmedi. How you doing, Akam? Doing fantastic. How are you, Joe? Well, I'm glad to hear that. And I'm doing fantastic too. Looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Akam. He's the co-founder of Invest Capital and their website is investapts.com. Props to you for getting that URL. That's very intuitive to remember based on your business. And your business is primarily buying apartment communities. You're a GP on 240 units, and those 240 units are worth about $30 million. Based in DC, with that being said, do you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, absolutely, Joe. Thanks for the intro there. It all really started coming out of college about five years ago, got into the marketing space, helping small businesses with their marketing, Facebook ads, Google ads, that sort of thing. That didn't quite work out. Didn't like the clients we were working with at the time. So jumped into single family wholesaling. It's about 2018, beginning of 2018. Did a bunch of deals in the DMV, stands for DC, Maryland, Virginia. We got into that. We liked what we were seeing there. However, it didn't meet the long-term goals, but it was great for short-term cash. So we decided to get into flipping to bolster those numbers, the net numbers, and that increased our bottom line. That still didn't hit our long-term goals. It did hit our short-term goals. It bolstered it even more. So we got into the next best thing, single family. That's very, very familiar, right? Multifamily. We decided we wanted to do larger units up front take on the challenge. So we got into multifamily about a year and a half ago, closed our first deal, 
And one and a half years later, we're still doing about 24 flips a year in the DMV. But our primary focus is our commercial real estate business and going after these larger multifamily assets, 150 plus units. Thank you. So some follow-up questions. First, marketing business didn't work out. What specifically didn't work out about it? That's a great question. So if I could go back, I would have made it work out. You know, at the time, (laughs) one, I was inexperienced. The avatar that we were going for was the reason I believe it didn't work out, right? We were learning a lot about marketing and the different types of strategies we could help business owners with. However, the avatar, when you're going for a restaurant that's not bringing a lot of revenue and Mm -hmm. you have to charge them $1,000 a month, you start to realize that you can't really provide a superior service for $1,000 a month. And you also realize that lower end clients, granted, they're still in business. I wish them the best of luck, but they're usually the biggest pain in the Mm -hmm. behind. So you learn it the hard way. You could barely pay the bills, let alone provide a really good service. So by the time the service was provided, there was no leftover cash to keep the business running or even pay the bills. Okay. Makes sense. So if you had to do that business again, and you could not do real estate investing, how would you make that business successful? The marketing business. Yeah. The marketing business. That's a great question. Our avatar would change. I haven't really thought about it, but just top of my mind, go for higher end clients, individuals that are looking for lead gen and a high ticket space. Aim for that. I would really niche down in my mind right now as I'm thinking about it. There could be a few things, but it would have to be in a high ticket space. And the reason being is I'm all about superior product, superior service, just top of everything. And that's the reason you want to charge a lot. So that way, if you're charging, say, $10,000, $15,000 a month, you could bring in a lot of weapons to provide that service that goes over the top, that raises their bottom line and makes them happy. And ultimately, they're going to be happy to pay you 10, 15, 20, whatever the amount is, as long as you're providing a superior service. That's how I'd answer that question. Mm -hmm. Now, you said we when you're referring to your business. And now I'm moving on to real estate. Who is we? It's myself and my partner, Ace Karimi. Mm -hmm. How do you know Ace? Ace and I met in college at James Madison University. He transferred in, I believe, his junior year. It was kind of a lucky situation, right? My roommate and his roommate were best friends in high school. So when he transferred in, our roommates got together. They invited us out and that's how we met for the first time. And then from there, it was just clicking and growing and learning and becoming closer friends. And then after college, we jumped into a few different business ventures together and it all worked out well. How many years ago did you graduate college? I don't even think I've ever been asked that question, but six years ago. Now, okay. in about three months, it'll be six years. Got it. Well, hopefully that's not the only question I asked that you haven't been asked before. Otherwise, I'm not doing my <laughs> job. All right. So you two did wholesaling and flipping, and then you went to apartment communities. How many apartment communities do you have? We currently have three apartment communities. Okay. And they total 240 units. Can you give us a unit breakdown per community? The first one was 72, second one was 64, the third one was 102. Got it. And where are they located? Virginia and Maryland. And how did you find the 72 unit? 72 unit was off market. We were reaching out to a bunch of different property managers and owners. And one of the property managers, well, specifically for this property, for the 72 unit, we built really good rapport with. She had mentioned that the owner was very old elderly. At the time, that's all we knew. It's about 97, 98 years old. 
So we found out what his phone number was, not through her, but through our research online. And come to find out, he was a very big player in the market. He actually built the properties to where we happen to be the second owners of that property. And he built the shopping center that just sold actually a few months ago. He, he passed away about three months after we closed that deal, unfortunately. But he passed on a pretty, pretty large estate of a lot of real estate, retail buildings. Uh, what is it called? Elderly homes, nursing mm-hmm. homes, pharma mm-hmm. communities, and then it's a bunch of single living. tenant. Correct. Single tenant retail. So he was actually in his own assisted living facility. We didn't know why he had three different nurses. We thought that was kind of strange until we were doing our due diligence on the property. And one of the employees at the property mentioned that he actually owned and built that assisted living facility, Hmm. which made more sense at the time. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So you were connecting with property managers and owners, you said, and a property manager told you about him and then you got his information, his phone number, and you called him up. Let's dissect that some. So tell me about your approach for finding and speaking to the property managers, please. That's a great question. And it's definitely evolved over time. In the beginning, we were heavy with direct to seller talking to professionals in the space, specifically in Virginia and Maryland at the time. So our approach then was let's reach out to these people that are as close to the owner as possible or the owner themselves. In an ideal world, you want to speak to the owner themselves. Everyone else can help you kind of. Sometimes they get in your way most of the time. So at the time, we didn't know any better. We just reached out to a bunch of people. And the approach was this. We call and, and, and we talk to them for this specific 72 unit, reach out to the property manager, talk to them a little bit about the property, tell them that we're buying in the area, that we're investors in the area, that we're buying, that we have the experience and really just build rapport, right? You're not pressing for sale or anything. You're just trying to gather information and make them feel comfortable with you. So at a certain point, she started feeling comfortable and gave us information like the man is 97, 98 years old, gave us information that the contractor, which happened to be really good friends with the owner at the time, was just ripping him apart in terms of what he was charging him. And they were such good friends that the owner in the assisted living facility wasn't taking the matter seriously in terms of when his employees would say, hey, they're charging a lot of money for each unit turn. They're charging like $1,000 to replace some blinds. We were doing our financial due diligence. It was unbelievable what mm-hmm. the contractor was doing. So when we started gathering that information, we saw opportunity. Not only was he 97, 98, and as you know, Joe, that means hopefully you live as long as possible, but that estate's going to pass eventually, that there could be some motivation there to sell, even if it's not at a discount, at a solid price. The property was in great condition, believe it or not. It, it needed unit turns, but the exterior was phenomenal. It just needed a few items and amenities. So it really just came down to understanding, hey, there may be some motivation and opportunity here after hearing a few pieces of information from the property manager. You researched property managers initially or you researched properties initially? Researched properties initially. Mm-hmm. And then and so you, did, you, have to, a sp- you have a spreadsheet of all the properties that you researched or did you buy that information from somewhere? Yes. At the time it was Reonomy. Oh, sorry. Yeah, got it. So you use Reonomy, and when you initially spoke to that property manager, how do you build rapport with them? That's a really good question. I guess it's done naturally, but you know, when you reach out, you 
reach out as someone that is interested in purchasing, interested in helping in any way they can. When you talk to a property manager, you got to be careful because they think you're going to purchase. They think they're going to lose their job. So yep. you state the elephant in the room and almost immediately. If you're going to mention that, hey, you're interested in purchasing, you let them know, like, uh, just so you know, this doesn't put your job at risk by any means. Usually when we buy properties, we keep the property manager on board as long as they're doing great work. And then the following question for me is always, I'm assuming you do great work, right? That's probably why you have a job and, and it's fully leased. And then if you start feeling comfortable, they say yes. And then you continue the conversation. But you have to state that because otherwise it'll be a brick wall. Yep. Got it. Okay. That's helpful. And you did not ask for the owner's contact information because you said that you found the phone number through a different means. I assume just skip tracing or was it just you doing a Google search or something else? Yeah, you can use softwares like True People Search, Fast People Search. Typically, they have really good information. As long as the name's not something like Steve Smith, there's thousands of Steve Smiths, but for the most part, it's pretty easy to find. You put in the location, you put in their first and last name, and you can reverse it. If you have the person's address, you don't really know their name, you can reverse their address. It'll give you their name and it'll give you their number. So different ways to go about it, but I love using True People Search, and it's and free. And that's what you used in this case? This is what we used in this case. Okay. So you got the phone number, and you just dialed it up, and the gentleman answers. What do you say? So... My partner actually made the first call to the owner, and for some reason, the owner could barely understand him. I don't know why. I mean, he was old. His hearing wasn't the best. So he passed over the phone to me after making the initial call and getting the conversation started. And it was really just about the guy like that. You had to call him in the morning because he, he got kind of grumpy past like 12 p.m. So with a guy like this, you, you immediately get into it. Hey, this is who I am. My name is Akam. It's nice to meet you, sir. The reason I'm calling is because I, I noticed that you have this property here on 123 ABC Boulevard. I happen to live in the area. I grew up in the area. I own a few properties, and I love what I saw. Are you open to an offer? And a lot of times you get some resistance because they hear it all the time, people just mm -hmm. saying that. They don't actually send them an offer, or they say that, and they lowball the hell out of them. So in this case, let them know we're always very competitive with our offers. At first, he was just like, I've already been offered $3.8 million. I'm not taking anything less. We're like, okay, I mean, that, that's great. So are you open to selling? And it, his answer was not, not at this time, at that moment. So we mm -hmm. kept following up over the course of weeks, and he finally got- What, to, once a week, every day, every other day, what? Depends on the seller or the- uh, No, the I know. Lead, I'm, I'm, I'm in this, asking in this, case, in this exact case, yeah. Yeah, in this case, it was probably twice a week. Okay. Give him some space, but not too much space. Twice a week, well, we kept calling him and eventually got to the point where he was just very open to it. Some days he wasn't, some days he was, and all of a sudden one day he was just like, I want this much. So he's like, just send in your offer. So I got his attorney's information. This is where you have to lead as the, I guess you call it the sales rep or whatever, the person calling. You have to lead them. It's something I learned immediately, even in a single family space. You can't wait for them. They're the ones that are waiting for your offer. So you have to lead them. This is your process. They're just going to follow you along your process. So at that point, we took control, got his attorney's information. The first offer we sent, I believe, I don't even know. I think it was something where, somewhere around like 3.2 or 3.5, automatic rejection. So we came back a week later, offered him 3.8. He accepted. This is where it gets a little shaky. He accepted, 
And then when we called him back, he was just like, he was just like, oh, I'm not selling anymore. We found out later that his attorney was the guy that was getting in the way. So what we did was now we followed up even harder, two or three weeks at a time, or I'm sorry, two or three times a week at a time. And he wasn't interested. He wasn't interested. And about a month and a half later, we called him. We had it at 375, and he was open to it. I remember I was in Tennessee at the time at a mastermind, and I was eating lunch. I was alone, but I was like, okay, for some reason, I know this can get done. So I picked up the phone, and I called him. I said something. Uh, I was like, I was like uh, what was his name? Lewis. Lewis, this is Ackham again. How are you? And he said, hey, how are you doing? I said, hey, I just want to reach out to you. I would like an answer on if you want to move forward or not. I know some days you do, some days you don't. But I would just like to let you know that we've put in hours of time, a lot of due diligence on this, spent a lot of time researching this property and whatnot, and spent countless dollars with attorneys getting our PSA sent over to you only for you to back away. I find that extremely disrespectful, but it's okay. If you don't want to do business with us, just please let us know. If you do, let us know that too, so that way we can get something done. And I think that really hit him because I think it was the disrespect, right? Him realizing that he wastes not just my time, our team's time, partner resources, the people around us, and obviously a few dollars. So I let him be and kind of gave him about four or five days. And the next time I called him, he was very happy to talk to me. And I just said, Lewis, reach out to your attorney, give him a call. He needs to hear this from you and say you're ready to do the deal. Can you do that for me? And he said, yes. I said, in about 10 minutes, I'm going to call you back to verify that you did that. Once I call you back, I'll call him and we'll get the paperwork started. And within 30 minutes, PSAs were out and we were going back and forth on the PSA. And within a few days, it was signed. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. What's holding you back from getting into apartment building deals? Is it knowledge, fear, inability to take action, lack of support? If it's any of these things, then I suggest you consider Deal Maker Mentoring with Michael Blanc. Michael's program is the most effective program to help you syndicate your first apartment building deal. During Deal Maker Mentoring, you'll work directly with one of Michael's experienced mentors who have successfully replaced their income with apartment buildings. They've already done what you want to do, which is become financially free. So in addition to providing their own syndication experience, They've been trained in Michael's unique deal maker blueprint designed to help you do your first deal and become financially free just like them in the next one to three years. To find out more, text the word Joe to 66866. I know Michael's going to get you to where you'd like to be. Again, text the word Joe to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind and let's get you started with your own syndication business. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investing investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Wow. There's a lot going on there. And what did it appraise for? It appraised for, I think we got it for 3.8. It appraised for 4.4. Okay. And we're about to refinance on that property, Joe. 
And we're looking at an $8 million valuation. Wow. How much did you put into it? Put in about 450. So 3.8 plus 415. After all other costs, we're about 4.5 all in. Let's talk about the 64 unit. How did you find that? That's a good question. Let me think. That was my partner that found that. Uh, that was, interestingly enough, that was also a property manager, believe it or not. It, and this property manager, we couldn't find the, the a different one? information. A different one. This one's in Maryland, right by Ocean City, Maryland. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with that area. I've been, but... I've been there. <laughs> yeah. In your younger years, I'm assuming. Uh, it was actually for work, so it wasn't as fun as what one might imagine. Right. Good beaches, though. Great beaches there. Mm-hmm. That was reached out what he thought was the owner's number, my partner, but it was actually the property manager. And this woman, how, I mean, how, did, he, how did he get the number to begin with where he thought it was the owner? This was also for Rianami. So in this case, he, he called thinking it was the owner. It was not the owner. It was the property manager. And my partner and her talked for a good hour and a half. I remember I was leaving the room when he first initially called her. <laughs> um, and then I come back, you know, after getting still some talking. food, and, and he's still talking to this lady. And, and I remember he puts it on mute, and he's like, he's like, this is something hot, hot. And, uh, <laughs> so I know the look in his eyes. You know, he's excited, and, uh, and I'm like, okay, cool. So that deal, they talked, they built amazing rapport. And between that conversation and over the next like two weeks, they were not really going back and forth. They were just keeping in touch. She was letting him know that she was going to let the owners know, hey, that you're interested in buying, that you're a serious buyer, and, and see what they say. And believe it or not, they were all about it. They wanted to sell. It was their time. It was four partners. It seemed like two of them were active and two of them were passive that's Lazy. what it seemed like correct something like yeah. that yeah. i don't know what kind of structure probably that probably, going on. probably supposed to be active but weren't doing their share and the other two partners probably wanted to get out of there the other two partners wanted to get out of there but i'll be i'll be honest even the ones that were doing their share weren't doing much we learned <laughs> that. <laughs> and, uh, so so these guys are classic mom and pop they're like 60 years old but they're not your classic older people they were just all over the place they had a lot of energy all over the place. So we'll get the deal and then we'll tell you what happened in due diligence. These guys were definitely some comedians. They were really funny to be around. But my partner built great rapport with the property manager and, and the property manager put in a, a great word. She was sick and tired of always trying to do improvements to the property and the owners just would not accept it. And I think Ace really hooked her with that part. He was saying how our group, we let the property managers speak freely and give us a lot of feedback, and we like to implement things and improvements to make the communities better. I think that stuck with her. So she reached out to the owners and then finally made the connection to ACE. And then we got down to the LOI, and it was accepted for 4.5. And at Mm -hmm. this point, this is based off of – the LOI was based off of information they had given us, even rent numbers and NOI. And so I'm sure sure it's all factually true. Almost. Uh, <laughs> uh, so once we got the LOI, we say, we'll get you the PSA, but we need to see the financials first before we put this in official writing. So they sent us the financials. The NOI was like 100,000 less than what they said, 100 to 140,000 less than what they said. So at this point, my partner was, you know, he wasn't as excited, He, you know, because they were stuck on this 4.5 million number. It didn't make sense at 4.5. We were buying like at a 3.3 cap in like mm-hmm. a six and a half cap market. And as we both know, Joe, sometimes you don't always buy off a cap, right? Because you realize that there's so many uh, improvements that can be made from a rent perspective or even on the expense side. 
But in this case, it didn't make any sense. So from there, that's when I took over. I saw that, you know, he kind of lost that excitement and he felt like his time was wasted. So over the next few weeks, I was talking to them and the main guy that I was speaking to, I had to talk to his partners every time he spoke to me. And so from that point on, Joe, I remember one day I was talking to him. I was like, hey, look, I think his name was Joe too, actually. His name was Joe. I said, we were in Florida at this time in Fort Lauderdale and I, and I gave him a call. We had set up a meeting with him and his other active partner. And I had told him something like, hey, Joe, like realistically, we put an offer of 4.5 on the table based off of the information you gave us. And then when you gave us actual financials, it was way off, $120,000 off. We were originally buying at around a five and a half cap anyways, but now we're buying it at 3.5. Like no one in this world will buy that property for a 3.5 cap. I was, I was like, if you, if you don't want to do the deal with us, that's fine. But we're going to have to be at, I believe I said 3.4 million. It was 3.4. And he was just like, oh, that's low. There's no way they're ever going to accept that. I was like, well, look, the reality is we're not paying 4.5 and no one else will. And I don't say that disrespectfully. I'm just telling you that it doesn't make any sense for anyone. So he was, okay, we'll let you know. And he counters us, I think a day or two later, after talking to partners at 3.65. We thought about it for a day, but then we realized, wait a minute, this is a great deal at 3.65. So we did the deal and then due diligence and all that started. Hmm. How long from start to finish did it take to get a signed contract for the 72 unit and same question for the 64 unit approximately? From the day we spoke to the seller or initial uh, contact? The, the, the initial, yeah, initial contact to signed PSA. For both deals? I like that question a lot. I feel like a lot of people think this happens so quick. This is not a single family, right? The first deal, 72 unit, was three months, 90 days. I believe it was May to August. And then 64. Wow, the 64 had to be five months. It was October to March or April. Thanks for sharing that. And then really quick, Anything in the due diligence that you wanted to mention? It seemed like there was something wacky going on during due diligence. Yeah, you could tell it was wacky. You know, once you're doing due diligence, there's a physical and financial side. We were seeing the physical. We knew we needed some love. Really just needed to turn into a community more than anything. And that project, we're still spending about 900000 in CapEx. And during due diligence, these were the type of guys you could tell that they would lie, but just about almost everything you could, you could tell, especially when you did your research and, and looked over everything. But one of the guys would always say, you know, we would throw ideas. Hey, why didn't you do this at the property? Why haven't you done that to the property? X, Y, and Z. And his thing was, oh, it sounds like a great idea. Yeah, do it, do it. And we asked him once, I believe my partner asked me, he said, do you know how much that would cost? He said, no, it doesn't matter. You know, it's going to add plenty of value. So you could tell these were mom and pop. They didn't really know what they were doing. They just had money. They threw it into something. And for them, they got extremely lucky. I think they bought it. I'm going to call it lucky. They did great on that property. I mean, they sold it for 3.6, but they picked it up, I believe, in 2005 for, I think, 700 grand. So they mm -hmm. did really well for themselves. Mm -hmm. And they were crushing it in cash flows, even though it was so inefficient, just because their basis was so low. Yep. 102 unit, really quick, like 30 seconds or less. How did you find it? Two-year follow-up. That one was direct to seller. He was a psychiatrist, him and his wife. His wife was the property manager of the, the property. She was 83. He was 84. They were going to sell it during COVID, but then they wanted to travel, and she was like, I don't want to just sit home, at home with my husband. But it was direct to seller, true people search, through Reonomy, and that was a two-year follow-up, Joe. That was 
I think May of 2019 was initial contact and we didn't get it under contract until June or July of last year. Wow. Well deserved. Nice work on that. And I'm glad that you talked about how long it took and the effort and the steps that you and Ace took to build rapport and to go from initial contact to under contract. I didn't even ask how long to close, but just three months from initial contact to PSA being executed on the first deal, five months on the second deal, and two years on the third deal. But man, isn't it worth it for just that effort? The amount of money that is made as a result of those follow-ups is incredible. Taking a step back, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? If the numbers work, do the deal. Don't always look for the home run. If it's a really good deal for you and your investors or just you, take the deal. That's how home runs are made. A lot of the times you don't know until you do the deal. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Always. What deal have you lost the most amount of money on and how much was it? It was in, what's that city in Texas? <laughs> Lots of them. It's, it's Fort oil. Worth, it's Dallas. A, no, no, it's not a Lubbock. big city. It's a, it's, Amarillo. Uh, it's San, San something. It's not San Antonio. San, it's San something. But San Angelo, San Marcos. San Angelo. Thank you. Thank you. San Angelo, 100 unit asset, lost 40 grand on it. But we didn't close on the deal because we were putting our investors at risk. We did not want to do that. So we took the loss on the earnest money. If given the same opportunity, what would you do differently so you did not lose the money? Would have taken control with our team members and debted the deal the last day of due diligence. What deal have you made the most amount of money on and how much? Single family side, about 350. Multifamily side, it's going to be the 72 unit here soon. It's going to cash a check of about 300000 from a refinance proceeds. And then once it sells, it'll probably make uh, a million each for myself and partner. Best of all, you like to give back to the community. Helping others. So what I mean by that is I do donate money to charities, but more specifically when I'm physically interacting with individuals and helping them with knowledge and giving them feedback from my experience. Right now I coach two people, real estate, absolutely for free. We just get on a weekly Zoom call. So I like to do that. I feel like I could make my most impact there as of right now. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? That's a great question. Just connect with me on LinkedIn and connect with me on Instagram or TikTok, AK Invest. Akam, thank you so much for being on the show. What an enlightening conversation about how the perseverance that's required to get deals done, but then also tactically how to make that happen. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and talk to you again soon. Thank you, Joe. Hope you have a great day too. Thanks for having me on the show.